Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad. This is the Adweek Podcast. We're talking about marketing, media, technology, pop culture. In the end, everything is an ad. I'm David Greiner. I'm the creative and innovation editor with Adweek. I've uh, got back uh, several folks. Uh, good to have everyone back. Of course, our podcast co-host and social media editor for Adweek, Kamiko McCoy. Kamiko, how you doing? Howdy, y'all. You got a lot of time. You had a big old viral tweet. Uh, that was like perfectly timed for uh, for this discussion about brands. We're going to be talking about the uh, the kind of the hottest brands of the year so far. It's a mid year brand check in, little 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 health checkup, little six month checkup for the brands, and see who we think are kind of having some of the biggest years. Uh, we of course will want to hear from you as well, so you can be thinking about whether you agree, disagree with us. Drop us a note at podcast at adweek.com. And we've also got back Anne Marie Alcantara, a staff writer here at Adweek, covers technology and retail and all sorts of other uh, great topics that are going to come into play today. Welcome back, Emory. Thanks for having me back. All right. So uh, first, I did want to talk about a little bit of news uh, in the industry, uh, just because it's kind of a, a, you know, it's a bit of a sad one, but also a fascinating topic. So let's get into that. Barton F. Graff. Uh, if you work at an ad agency, if you're heavy in the creative world, you know that name. Uh, you probably almost certainly know the name of its founder, Jerry Graff, who named the agency after his father. It was originally called Barton F. Graff 9000, BFG 9000, which was a, a reference to the the uh, gun from the game Doom uh, from a long time ago. And uh, they eventually just changed it to Barton F. Graff. Really one of the funniest, weirdest, quirkiest agencies. Jerry is a very uh, interesting dude. Uh, they announced this past week that they will be closing their doors at the end of the year. They had about a nine-year run, founded in uh, 2010. And uh, it was an independent agency, very, very creative. Uh, you, I'm trying to think what... If you don't know them, it's hard to say exactly what you would know them from. Uh, they've done a lot of really, uh, really clever advertising. Um, but we were talking before the podcast, before we started, that they're kind of like the way some bands 
inspire other bands but never become all that popular themselves <laughs> like the bands they inspire become more popular that's kind of what Barden F. Graf was uh, they're kind of an agency's agency uh, they did uh, a, several Super Bowl ads they did one that let's <laughs> let's revisit the one that I think is probably best known uh, this is an ad for uh Clash of Clans, uh, I think it was 2015, uh, I might be getting the year slightly off, but uh, this was their Super Bowl ad featuring Liam Neeson. I don't know you, big buffet boy 85, but if you think you can humiliate me and take my gold, think again. Oh, I'm coming for you with lots of barbarians and dragons. I can't wait to destroy your village while you beg for mercy, but you will get no mercy. I will have my revenge. Liam? I have a scum for Liam? Oh, over here. It's, uh, Liam. So I think that is they're their best known. They also did a Super Bowl ad, maybe even that same year, uh, for GoDaddy. And that, that one was way more of a train wreck. Like, it was the one where it was kind of joking on the... Uh, Budweiser Super Bowl or B- Budweiser puppy ad uh, and they kind of made a joke about uh, selling puppies and people got really upset said it was kind of references like puppy mills so they pulled the ad at the last minute and then Barton F. Graff had to make a Super Bowl ad with like one week to go and the resulting ad was a real snoozer but I mean what are you going to do you know what are you going to do in one week um, but so they They really had uh, kind of the highs and lows there. Jerry uh, has done many Super Bowl ads, many of the best Super Bowl ads uh, of all time. He did uh, the uh, FedEx ad, which is kind of a parody of of Castaway with Tom Hanks. Uh, I mean, he did some of these really huge ones at many of the world's biggest agencies before starting his own. But you know, a lot of a lot of kind of trends hit them. Uh, the big one being that brands are are not doing these big, long, heavy contracts anymore. They're really kind of switching to project based work. Uh, part of this is that brands are building their own creative teams, uh, and you know they want to be doing more of that work. If you're going to build out a big old internal creative team, you want them to be you know to have work to do. Uh, so the, I think agencies like uh, Barton F. Graf, which had those kinds of relationships, big you know long term relationships with Supercell, the people behind uh, Clash of Clans and a bunch of other mobile games, uh, they had that with Little Caesars, several other clients. And as some of those started to switch, especially Supercell, uh, once they switched to project work, it just was a real death knell for the agency. They couldn't pull out of that tailspin. Uh, and, and so we've, you know, the coverage of this has been really fascinating on Adweek. We've, uh, re- you know, talked to people throughout the industry about what an in- inspirational uh, agency it was, how high they set the bar creatively. Uh, they did one of my favorite uh, PSA kind of ads of all time. It was very hard hitting advocacy thing where they um, they did a climate change. I think it was called climate name change uh, campaign where they, they proposed this uh, climate advocacy group proposed naming hurricanes after climate change deniers. Uh, so like your Paul Ryan or, you know, all these kind of famous uh, GOP figures. And it just showed this fake news footage of, uh, you know, Rick Perry is devastating <laughs> the whole coast and all this. That was really, let's listen to a little bit of that one. If you are, uh, if you kind of lean to the right uh, politically, you probably will not love this, but you can, it at least gives a sense of, of uh, the kind of the tone that that Barton F. Graf could bring to their work. Congresswoman Michelle Bachman is incredibly dangerous. If you value your life, please seek shelter from Michelle Bachman. 
Senator David Vitter is turning out to be one of the hugest and costliest disasters in American history. David Vitter is literally lifting boats out of the water and tossing them onto the land. In New Orleans, the levees that were built to stop Hurricane Colin Peterson have been obliterated. You know, for, for all the great creative they did, it, it just feels like this was an agency that was tied to a bit of an old-fashioned model of just... Really cool, really craft-driven, very weird and quirky creative stuff that was the the hallmark of advertising in the early 2000s, like in those early uh, internet days, you know, the, the dot-com bubble days, and then going up through all the experimentation with early social media. But then once you got to 2010, around the time the agency was founded, you know, it just marketing got a lot more data-centric and a lot more ROI-driven, and it just became different. And I don't know if they were able to evolve fast enough. Anne-Marie, uh, you and I were talking about how how some other agencies, specifically Ginlane, uh, this is an agency people may not know by name, but they certainly know their work. Tell us about them and, and the evolution that they pulled off uh, recently. Yeah, so Ginlane uh, is behind many of the D2C direct-to-consumer brands that we know today, some of which have had successful exits like Harry's. Um, they help create the creative for Recess, which is like a CBD sparkling a drink, um, and yeah, they've been behind hymns, like truly like iconic D to C brands that we know today, and you know are, are watching grow. This week, Jin Lane announced that they're completely closing down their agency business and transitioning to a direct to consumer holding company. They kind of just got tired of you know creating the brands and you know taking some equity and recognition for it, and just want to go full in and create their own brands. Which is you know, I mean, they have the knowledge. They obviously have created brands that are well-known and, you know, the Wall Street Journal, like, you know, gets so much media attention. So we'll see how they do. But, um, I mean, they have a strong track record already. So, like, why wouldn't companies want to work with them and, and you know, invent, like venture capitalists want to work with them? So we'll see how it goes. But they definitely made the transition early on and saw the headwinds, I guess, coming for them. Yeah, you know, and that's a fascinating evolution, too, of a trend we've also seen, which is, uh, that agencies, even mainstream agencies, have been kind of becoming product creators and brand creators uh, over the last few years with mixed results. But over the last 10 years, you know, starting right around 2010, we saw Crispin Porter Bogusky, which is now just CPB. Uh, they created Angel's Envy, uh, which was a, you know, kind of their own bourbon brand. And that thing's everywhere now, like every bar I go into. And the only reason I really notice is because I, I know the backstory. I know that it was created by an ad agency. Um, but, you know, so you saw this for several years. The agency started creating these, eh, you know, kind of vanity brands. But, like, some of them did very well. So I thought that was really interesting with Jen Lane that they kind of went all in. <laughs> <laughs> we're like we're just going to own brands instead of instead of marketing them. Uh, do you know? It's it still feels weird though that they would just shift that dramatically uh, because it does feel like they're almost kind of starting over. Uh, but they they didn't seem to regret that, I guess, huh? Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. We'll see like how they end up, and like I don't even we'll see, yeah what even brands they'll develop that have the same power as the brands they help develop. Um, so we'll see, but yeah, I'm with you. It's like you know, what, are you going to have the same success as you did in the gin lane world? I'm not sure. Well, the, uh, I'm sure it does get exhausting just creating a bunch of amazing work and you never own anything. Like as an agency, you never own anything. Like the clients own it all. 
And so it's like you can literally and we've seen this before, you know, the agency that made uh, the um, most interesting man in the world uh, was different than the agency that ended up building a lot of the ads. And then I think a third agency got tacked on top of that. You know, it's just uh, you don't own the stuff you create. And at some point, that's got to be really frustrating when you're thinking that ah, we could be doing this for ourselves. Uh, but, uh, you know, so. It'll be interesting to hear more. We're, we're definitely going to be talking more with uh, with Jerry Graff about what happened with Barton and kind of where he's headed next. I, I'm curious as, you know, he's one of the top creatives in the world, definitely one of the best known and has worked on some of the most famous ads of all time. Where do you go once you've founded an agency, you know, like where you've you've run an agency for 10 years if you're a David Droga, if you're a Jerry Graff, if you're one of these folks who, who started your own thing and run it and, and you know, obviously those two have gone in pretty different directions. David Droga obviously selling recently to Accenture and for who knows how many hundreds of millions of dollars uh, didn't end quite as well for Jerry Graff. Uh, but, yeah, I just wonder what's next uh, for these folks and, and what kind of position would sound good after that. Maybe you'd just be happy to go be a creative again. <laughs> Just not be running a business and not be having to lay off people and pack up boxes and, you know, worry about keeping the doors open. But our best uh, to the uh, to the team and all the teams that have been at Barton F. Graff over the years. They've really done some amazing stuff. Uh, we had their one of their creative teams on to talk about the Yes Good campaign for Emerald Nuts, which is one of my all-time favorite campaigns where they turned a two-word Amazon review that someone left into an entire, not just an entire ad campaign, they turned it into the permanent slogan of the brand. <laughs> Like to this day, Emerald Nuts' slogan is "Yes, good." Uh, I, I love that stuff, and they really did kind of think beyond just a few good ads. And they 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 had a lot of really creativity. It's a shame to see see them go, but uh, we'll be fascinating to see where all those people end up next. All right, it's time to move on to our uh, big discussion this week, uh, which is going to be checking in on the brands. All right, so I thought uh, just to to revisit uh, why we're doing this, it's. Yeah, a little over halfway through the year, and we're just curious to get uh, a temperature check on the brands. We're do- we've been doing this with agencies, too, because we're going to be starting our Agency of the Year deliberations sooner than I'd like to even think about. Uh, but brands, you know, who have been the dominant brands of the year, who have been making the waves? And then we'll also talk about some of the ones who have been surprisingly quiet uh, and just haven't been doing quite as much. Uh, Kamiko, I'm curious, uh, you know, we're going to talk about your tweet and about some of the other stuff we've done in social, but just off the top of your head, who are a few of the brands that you think of as just are dominating in 2019? Ooh, dominating in 2019. I'd have to say, like, even though I am not a fan of, like, eating there, KFC is doing a lot. Also Burger King. But, like, when are they not? You know, um, that's kind of like their thing. Like, every time they have something that, like, is crazy happens, like, they're just like, all right, how do we top this? Um, so some of the stunts that they pulled, including like the, um, the Whopper that they pulled with, um, Impossible Burgers, um, just stuff like that has been like really, really off the wall, different thinking, um, especially like a burger spot pulling out all the stops to do something that is not even meat, which is crazy and people are losing their minds about it. So those are the top brands that I'd have, um, at the top of my list right now. Yeah. You know, KFC is an interesting one because I I was prepared to come into this saying that they've really been very quiet this year compared to like, like I couldn't tell you too many, uh, their kernel campaign has been running for years. It's getting a bit old, uh, out of Wyden and Kennedy, Portland. Uh, you know, I can't name too many from this year, but they've done some really weird. They did a virtual influencer kernel, 
uh, which is such a niche joke like that. Does anyone even know what that means outside of people like us, you know, like making fun of, <laughs> of virtual influencers? Uh, but they, they made a Instagram-friendly virtual influencer who was really into, like, posting pictures of himself cooking and was obviously, like, super attractive. Uh, and and in one of my favorites was actually out of Russia. I think Widen Kennedy Amsterdam did it, where they put out a KFC bucket hat, like a... I forget what you call the kind of hat with like the floppy rim that goes all the way around. Uh, but like the, a fisherman's hat. Is that does that have a name? Anne Marie, you're cool. What what do you call those <laughs> hats with like the floppy brim? Oh man, now I'm not cool. <laughs> is it not a bucket hat? Are you thinking of a bucket hat? Am I making that up? I think well, it is a bucket hat. It's like when it, yeah, I mean maybe the uh, I'll Google bucket hat and see what comes up. The uh, but it my favorite part of it was that uh, the the logo is upside down. <laughs> So that it looks like you actually just have a bucket on your head. <laughs> put it on your head. I was like, when I saw it, I said, "Oh, that's kind of clever." Then I noticed the logo was upside down. I was like, "All right, that's real good. That's real good." Uh, but uh, but that was KFC Russia. I, I I will be interested to see if that one catches on. And in all the ads for it, they showed people also using it to eat chicken. <laughs> I'm just like, no, do one or the other. Don't do <laughs> don't do both. Uh, Anne-Marie, what are some brands that you think have been really visible this year or are on the come up? Uh, you know, who comes to mind? Yeah, so I, uh, my, my take on it comes from both tech and D2C world naturally, but um, definitely Snapchat, which I've always been bullish on, Pinterest, TikTok. Um, in the D2C realm, we have Glossier, um, Rent the Runway, a bunch of brands who reached a billion-dollar valuation this year. Um, Fenty, actually. I cannot believe that I didn't mention that. (laughs) I think your Rihanna card is now revoked. (laughs) 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 Hate to see it. Hate to see it. Let's let's back up. You've got so many there that I want to talk about, but let's talk about Snapchat. Like, it did feel like Snapchat, maybe this is just anecdotal on my part, it felt like after Instagram, you know, completely swiped the stories idea and then finally started really kind of innovating on how to use that it felt like Snapchat was fading, but am I wrong? Or do, have they always been strong and they're just, or are they resurging? They're definitely resurging. Um, like they had a few earnings reports that weren't so great and they switched from reporting daily active users to monthly active users, which pointed to like, you know, they're not having people open the app as much um, on a daily basis. But I mean, they just rolled out a new campaign and their last earnings were so good. Um, and I think they're still proving that they're more than just like another social platform and that they have, you know, they're pushing the boundaries on AR and making people come back that way. They're doing stuff with e-commerce. And I mean, they know the Gen Z audience way more than like what Facebook and Instagram wish they knew. Like they... Even with all that data. Yeah. Even, even all those breaches and things like that. <laughs> still uh, can't quite. <laughs> and so, yeah, they've had, I mean, they've, they've really come back and I'm, I'm very happy because I'm very bullish on them and sometimes people look at me and wonder are you really a good tech reporter but you know it's working out in my favor this this earnings report on, on a personal level do you use both instagram and snapchat like equally or you know how are they dividing your your usage i definitely use instagram a lot more um because that's where my friends are but these days like everyone's migrated off snapchat um, but I do use Snapchat. I'm definitely following like the monthly active user just for like Bitmoji stuff or like sometimes my friends will still send a snap there for, that's like not, you know, Instagram story friendly or like a little more silly and less filtered. 
Yeah, I had a friend, uh, I, I won't name her because she she listens to this podcast, but like a friend who runs a business and was posting some stuff uh, at, at Cannes. And I was like, oh, I... You know, I saw that you took all those cool pictures, but I didn't see them on Instagram. She's like, oh, no, I, I post work stuff on Instagram. I, I post the fun stuff on Snapchat. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. That's because I just kind of, once I stopped using Snapchat, I just stopped. Yeah, you know, I just never, never. But but to your point of me, I guess as an advertising nerd who covers this stuff, I um, I do you know, open it up whenever I see some really cool branded tie-in AR thing. You know, weren't they the ones who did that tie-in with the nun the horror movie where you could like put yourself. Oh, I think you're right. I didn't look at it because I don't like horror stuff. I don't like being scared. I mean, that was real cool. You know, it's basically a filter, but you're looking at it and then it, you know, turns into the reflection of the nun. Like you're looking in a mirror saying bloody Mary three times, whatever it is. And just, (laughs) you just don't see that kind of experimentation on Instagram, right? Like you, you don't see the really crazy, weird branded, uh, filters and stuff. And there, there was that, um, and I'm sorry, I'm butchering the the you know, what they call it the feature. But remember where they had like a dragon land on the Flatiron Building um, for Game of Thrones? Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, I know you're talking about. Man. That's still AR. That's still like a lens. Yeah, they they've done some neat stuff. They have a name for that, like like AR lenses that are tied to specific locations, like something tags. I forget. I'm sorry. I'm, I should know these things. Um, but, uh, but anyway, yeah, really, there's some really cool stuff on there. Uh, tell us about some of the, of the DTC to ones that you mentioned or the just online retail, uh, who, who do you think are going to, to keep going in the next few years and, and really keep building? Uh, yeah. So there's a few companies that reached a billion dollar valuation, which is, you know, give or take a good or bad thing. Cause then they have to, have a really good exit to make that valuation. It, it, really that's count. a unicorn, right? Like that's the way people say a unicorn. That's what they mean. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, and away is one of them, which and we've you know here at Ad we've talked a lot about. Um, Glacier was another one that reached it this year. Casper, which has rumors that you know might IPO. Um, but then on the retail side, I think uh, one brand that you know I think everyone loves and continuously comes back to is Target. And they continue to do these partnerships with, like, um, was the latest one, um, Vineyard Vines that, like, continue to sell out. They're doing this new thing in the fall where they're going to bring back all these limited collections they run and letting the people buy again, which is so smart. And it totally feeds into the whole, you know, limited edition, must get it now, must buy now, got to get to Target and get in line um, situation that, you know, obviously generates really good or sometimes sometimes really bad press if they sell out really early. Um, but yeah, Target's a really good one. Um, I mean, and the ones who are going quiet, I guess, you know, Walmart, we can talk about that a little bit later, but they're not having a good year, supposedly. One, one interesting, uh, talent pickup, by the way, on Target is they hired Karen Spencer, uh, who I believe last was at AT&T, but she is, I forget her specific title, but she's kind of running their influencer relations, um, their influencer marketing. But she was, Karen is the woman who got, uh, who basically like ran Ashton Kutcher's social campaign when he became the first person to a million on Twitter. 
uh, and then I, and then went to work for Twitter. Like she's a fascinating person. Uh, has really had a you know she was really deep into Vine uh, when that when that was going, and is still kind of one of those people. She's kind of an influencer whisperer, and just what a smart pickup by Target. Like I, I, I'm already kind of seeing how that's coming to fruition uh, as she shares more of the influencer stuff they're doing. But really good pickup, and I think that's a sign that they're continuing to evolve kind of how they do stuff. Uh, Let's. Uh, I, I'm going to see if I can name a few of of kind of my favorites. I'm going to say, uh, you know, Kamiko mentioned Burger King. I feel like Burger King is about as hot as you can get in terms of advertising driven marketers uh, and especially traditional marketers this year. They, I mean, they've just done so much. Uh, they were definitely the big winner at Cannes. Uh, they won the first ever uh, creative brand of the year. I think is what they call it, but it just means that your brand won the most. Uh, won the most you know, trophies at Cannes this year. And uh, and then the other one I, I've got to mention is Aviation Gen, uh, which is maybe a good segue to talk about a project we did earlier in the year that some people might have missed, where we created for uh, March Madness, we created a brand bracket. And I seeded, uh, you know, we came up with seeds for each of the brands that we put on there. We seeded Aviation Gen at 16 in their division. They ended up winning. <laughs> <laughs> the Cinderella story of the year. Uh, but Aviation Gen is owned by Ryan Reynolds, uh, is uh, really a fantastic marketer. And, man, they, they just – they're everywhere. Uh, Kamiko, right? I mean, they're they, – like, they, they just seem to be on fire. And for such a small spirits brand, it feels like what they've done with their social footprint is amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what they've been doing is actually a tremendous um, kind of – what you would want your social media manager to be doing. Like if you create your ideal uh, social footprint, I would definitely say Aviation Gin is it, um, given they have like the star power of Ryan Reynolds behind them. But like even without that, they have a really strong force. Um, Another segue here. Um, So our most recent stunt on Twitter is a meme. I'm sure you guys have probably seen it. There has been a who would you sit with at lunch meme going around on the Twitters. Um, some have been done, doing it with celebrities, um, with Jane Austen books. Okay. Um, so we put it together with brands. Shame on me. We left Aviation Gin off. <laughs> I loved all the hurt feelings from all the brands. <laughs> and before Aviation Gin could even fix their fingers to type it out, there was at least 50 people in our comments being like, you forgot Aviation Gin. So they have a loyal, loyal following. Um, some of the other ones that we did include there um, were Wendy's, obviously, KFC, uh, D2C Brands, um, Bud Light, White Claw, of course, Netflix. Um, and things like that kind of group them based off of how they interact um, or their engagement on Twitter. So Class Clowns Table 1 obviously had Wendy's, Moon Pie, and Steakum. Um, so just kind of broke it down that way. And I would like to say that I am now the queen of chaos because it turned quite chaotic in the comments section. Um, I actually want to ask you guys, what tables are you guys are you guys sitting at? Well, you told me I had to set up the D to C one, so I guess I'm there. Damn job. You, you put it me on. You put me on blast on Twitter. So yeah, that's where I'm with you. Dollar Shave. Me and Michael Dubin, best friends. Casper and, and away. I mean, Jen Rubio is great. So yeah, you know, I'll do that. Uh, I'm Griner, Where are you sitting? I'm definitely at the what was it? Netflix, NASA, and yeah. <laughs> Monterey Bay Aquarium. I'm at the nerdiest table. <laughs> Talking about our D&D campaigns. <laughs> <laughs> what new telescopes our dad got. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> yeah, no, it, it was great. And like, I think my my absolute favorite <laughs> response was it was Denny's, right? Oh God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Denny's, Denny's took the. It's a still like Kamiko's tweet is a still image, and then they animated their logo like creeping up at the window and just looking in. <laughs> they put themselves behind like the counter cooking the food. Oh, that's what. Uh, yeah, it's not the window. It's the <laughs> and then Cracker Barrel stole the idea. Um, and put themselves in a rock, a piece of fried chicken is sitting in a rocking chair, just monitoring the lunchroom. <laughs> and I was like, this place has gotten so weird. Yeah, they're just like occasionally telling people to be quiet. Don't make us turn, like, off, turn off the lights. <laughs> we, we put it on Instagram as well. And like, um, it's not, is it Natty Light and White Claw that had like a fight about who got to be at the table? <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, Good times. Good times. Let's talk about White Claw. White Claw is one of those that just like came out of nowhere to me. I I mean, I I, I, I like the idea of alcoholic seltzers because I drink a lot of seltzer, but like I don't like alcoholic seltzer. Um, And so I haven't really been been up on the many, many brands that are flooding the shelves now. But Amory, where did White Claw, like how did this blow up? Why did that one become the one that everyone talks about? I think we've been seeing the rise of kind of this alternative drinking culture that doesn't necessarily deal around, you know, traditional beer and liquor. And, and we've seen that with, you know, all these companies, big companies investing in these brands. But, so it, you know, I, I would honestly give credit to LaCroix, LaCroix, however you want to say it. LaCroix. Excuse me. I'm so sorry. Please don't I hurt say, me. I say LaCroix. I don't know where we stand as a culture on that. But. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, I think they really kind of changed the game a few years ago when people, you know, like we're loving it when there were you know snow snowstorms in New York, people were like going to Whole Foods and Trader Joe's to stock up on their Lacroix, and then I mean it was only time before White Claw and all these other brands like capitalized on it, and now it's the summer of the Claw, and the Claw Bros are out and about. What is it? No claws, no laws. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> um, it's so yeah, a, then we can attribute it to that. I mean, it's just. I think it's crazy. They have like a cult. Fought, like there is a literal cult. Like it's a specific kind of, <laughs> a type of people. Cult. A literal cult is a specific kind of person that subscribes to like each of these different drinks. Like I, I personally am part of the um, Lacroix Hive. Very proud of that. Will not budge for bubbly or any other. Look, Perrier, none of them. I am one hundred percent Lacroix girl over here. Um, but like, there's a certain type of person that is just like, this is like my brand. Like White Claw is my brand. <laughs> You know what my favorite seltzer brand is? Oh, man. It's... Is it Canada Dry or something? <laughs> <laughs> well, for one, ouch. <laughs> sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, it is uh, whatever is buy one, get one free at Publix. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm the least loyal. I'm just all like, lime seltzer, man. It tastes all right. <laughs> I'll just get <laughs> Is there bubbles in it? Good. Good enough for me. Yeah. I mean, like, and now I'll say that when you get into the weirder flavors, it gets a lot dicier. Like, if you're drinking stuff with cranberry or blood orange or something, then, yeah, you kind of got to spring for the good brands. Um, but I don't know, man. I just do lime. Uh, let's talk about one other that is sitting at the table with IHOP and Burger King is Arby's. I feel like Arby's is having a really good year. Um, in I have no idea how they're doing financially, so let me qualify that. <laughs> uh, but in the same way that... that you know, White Claw is having this kind of millennial slash upper end of Gen Z moment. Arby's, for being what they are, Arby's felt old when I was a kid. Like, Arby's felt like where you went with your grandma 
to, to eat um, because it was just roast beef. Like that was literally all they had. And I remember being like, who eats roast beef? Um, cause so considering that, like where they were with a big old Western hat uh, and this very roast beef specific menu, now they're like one of the coolest marketers out there. Uh, their social content is incredible and makes me feel ancient because I, I only catch like one out of 17 references to anime or video games or whatever. Um, but they do this really incredible craft where they make uh, references to all these things out of their packaging. Um, I believe that's done by an agency called Moxie out of Atlanta. And um, – you know, but then they do stuff like they drove a food, the Arby's food truck out to Area 51 uh, to feed, <laughs> feed like aliens and anyone who just felt like raiding the base. Uh, and they weren't like these other brands saying, we recommend you don't raid the base. Now they're just like, go raid it. Eat some, <laughs> eat some roast beef. Let's all charge, charge the Air Force. Um and I mean, they're, they're just constantly doing uh, really interesting stuff. They made a subscription box. You, you guys remember that? Like in, in. Oh my God, yeah. Like early this year, they made a subscription box and it sold out in like an hour or something ridiculous. And so, yeah, good on them. I, I think uh, it, it, one of the ones I was kind of on the fence about was Taco Bell, just because it is the week of, as we record this, it's the week of the bell. You know, the Taco Bell Hotel opening in uh, Palm Springs. So I feel like I've never had so many people message me about an experiential thing, like just normal people outside of advertising uh, who are just fascinated by the the idea of a Taco Bell Hotel. Uh, but, but other than that, I'd say Taco Bell's been pretty quiet. And, and on that note, like, let's transition to brands that we think have been somewhat quiet. I'll throw one out there uh, this year, Apple. That's fair. Now that I think about it, I have not heard... <laughs> I haven't heard much of a peep out of them. I remember it was a really big deal from a social perspective when they released that they were getting on Instagram and, like, everybody lost their mind. They were like, oh, God, you know, um, shot on iPhone. Um, but that's the last campaign that I remember. Them. And that's – if I'm not mistaken, that's been a campaign that's been going on for a while. Oh, yeah. I think, um, I think it's, like, literally the longest-running Apple right? campaign ever. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, and they've done some interesting iterations on that most recently with professional musicians and shot on iPhone from concert performances – with like Florence and the Machine and stuff. And then they did one with professional athletes. All good stuff. I mean, I'm not saying they're doing bad marketing. It's just, they just feel quiet. Like considering last year you had Welcome Home, which is like one of the best ads of all time. Uh, you had their really awesome uh, holiday spot. They made a bunch of just really fun ads uh, last year that kind of were not big mainstream stuff. Um, this year, I think... I want man. It's it's all a blur. I think this year they did the Earth Day ad, which you guys, if you watch Hulu, you know, or any of those kind of ad supported services, you see that one a lot. It's the one of just nature footage shot on iPhone, um, and they they launched it on Earth Day. It's got a a Megadeth uh, soundtrack. Uh, I like that one, um, but yeah, I don't know. It just feels quiet considering how uh, AirPods are just becoming this phenomenon. Like I would argue, the biggest Apple phenomenon since. I don't know, maybe the iPad. Uh, you know, Air AirPods have just taken over culture. You see them everywhere now. But I don't really feel like that's being driven by a huge ad campaign. Uh, Amory, are you seeing, you seeing much Apple out there? Well, I'm seeing the memes about AirPods. <laughs> that's what you're talking about. What are the AirPods mean? There's too many memes. I need I need more meme curators to follow. No. Oh, wait, have you really not seen the memes? What, what, is, they're, no. what is it? Oh, they're mostly about how... It's like teenagers, right? Like that if you don't have AirPods, you're broke and, you know, they want nothing to do with you. Yeah. And you exude richness and wealth. Even if you're a teenager and just have AirPods, you're not 
Yeah, they're a casual Christmas present, I'm sure, for some families. <laughs> There's actually my favorite meme is, I think it's part of Odd Future. I think it's one of um, them. It's a, a rap group with Tyler, the creator, and a couple others. And you see him screw They have drawn AirPods in his ears. And you see him screaming at someone, and the caption is just like, it smells like broken here over the AirPods. <laughs> and that is my favorite one. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I do. It's someone asked me the other day. Someone was telling me, "Well, you know, such and such wireless earbuds are better than." I was like, "No, that's a lost cause." You know, that's a, that's, <laughs> that's a lost argument. People have been saying this. To, it's like when Beats were were huge, and everyone was like, "You know, there are much better headphones than Beats for the price." I'm like, "You are just talking to dead air. Uh, no, <laughs> you're fighting a cultural tide. Like your kid, your teenager is not going to buy that argument and wear that, you know, somewhere." Um, and, and you know, no matter how much you tell them, the audio fidelity is so much better. Um, <laughs> I will add that, uh, you know, Sir Johnny, I have left this year, left Apple, and I'm sure that was in the works for a while. And you know, it's partially probably why Apple's also been a little quiet. Yeah, I, you know, we we've been debating this uh, at the office about is. Is Apple advertising getting quieter or just is Apple product launch, like is the Apple product launch cycle just getting kind of repetitive, which no one's going to argue it's not, right? We're on, it's just every year is like, here's a new phone, maybe a new watch, uh, definitely a new MacBook, you know, new MacBook Air. But, you know, other than AirPods, I'd be pressed to tell you a product that launched. And in fact, they're kind of deprecating some of the older products like, uh, you know, iTunes, of course, is getting... Uh, you know, done away with, and mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. Just doesn't feel like a, a growing brand. I think my hunch is that they are growing. They are focusing those growth efforts on things like China, right? On like m- massive markets where they just haven't penetrated at the level that they have in America and some other markets. But I don't know. Uh, any other brands that you think of as as usually kind of big advertisers that just feel kind of quiet this year? I think all the others that I'm familiar with have been. Um Pretty solid, like Bud Light with their Bud Night thing. That was that last late last year, or early. That was Super Bowl, right? Earlier this year, he died in the Super Bowl, and then then he came back. Mm-hmm. He did. He did. He did. R.I.P. R.I.P. Should have well, <laughs> stayed dead. <laughs> <laughs> but I haven't. Yeah, any of my none of my favorite brands have been um, quiet. They've been out and about, which is why they're my favorites. I think Budweiser's been quiet. Like Bud Light, still doing it. They're they're still out there. Uh, and they do some really interesting stuff in the experiential space and in the sponsorship space. Bud Weiser, like core brand, I don't know. I'd be hard-pressed to tell you much. Uh, they did a uh, International Women's Day thing that got some coverage where mm-hmm. they kind of resurrected some of their old ads and reimagined them as, uh, you know, as uh, less sexist ads, I guess. Uh, and they had that uh, wind-powered, you know, renewable energy Super Bowl ad uh, from the agency David uh which was fine. It was a cute dog with ear, <laughs> ear, ears blowing. Uh, but, you know. I'm sure that's what every agency wants to hear. It was fine. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I mean, like, it's a dog riding in a, what, a wagon? <laughs> I don't remember what he was riding in. And it's just, that's the whole ad. Just dog, ears blowing. And it was a cute dog. And it was good to hear Bob Dylan in the Super Bowl again. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. They just... Budweiser, considering the, the the roster of agencies they have, the you know the what they could be doing, but I think they're just pumping a lot of that effort into some of their other brands. Or you know, it's just 
missing me. Uh, but uh, yeah, any other uh, any other brands for good or for worse that y- you uh, you all think we should we should debate? Well, oh wait, Anne Marie, we haven't had our our debate. Oh man, I was hoping you'd forget about oh, this. No, how could I ever? Allbirds, <laughs> Allbirds. Uh, Anne Marie, you are a fan of Allbirds still, or has that changed? Forever and always. <laughs> You got your, I'm the unofficial spawn con. <laughs> your, your ride or die Allbirds tattoo. That, um, yeah, no, I so uh, I wear Adams, uh, which are pricier. But what's interesting is like I have been just when when I first got into the Adams, they were just coming out, and I was like, I don't know, we'll see. I'm sure it's one of these many kind of startups that doesn't really blow up. I get their I get served their ads constantly constantly like it never stops do you all see their ads or is it just they know that i'm a customer and they just bombard <laughs> me because i get i get a lot of Allbirds ads too i get both but man every single youtube clip i watch is like hey do you want to watch that adam's ads again and i was like <laughs> yeah i kind of do and uh but you know i don't know are you are you two seeing those or just, just me i think they are personally targeting you Griner, actually. yeah i think so i never see them i see no. rothy's every other ad on my feeds. Rothy's, wow. Kamiko, do you have like a a brand that is in your feed every single time you open it? It's not even a well-known brand. It's always like these no, like these up-and-coming brands for like handbags and stuff like that. Like I searched for like book bag once and now every single ad is just like, <laughs> hey, we heard you were looking for a handbag. We have 17 different sizes over here and 15 colors. What you want, girl? And I'm like, what? Calm down. The, the one that creeped me out, and to be clear, I don't actually think that Facebook listens to your to your conversation. I believe in that conspiracy theory. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry, well, podcast listeners. <laughs> don't you can be worried. So, like, I've always been like, no, no. And, uh, but then, so the other day I was at a bar and I saw that they had a non-alcoholic drink list, but it uses a, a non-alcoholic spirit uh, called Seed Lip. And it said it was the world's first non-alcoholic spirit. And I was like, what is a non-alcoholic spirit? Like, how do you distill something that's not alcohol? Because literally, that's what spirits are, right? You're just distilling down the alcohol. You're boiling it and boiling it and boiling it. And so I was like, wait, how do you make that? And the bartender just looks at me and like, I have no idea. <laughs> so, and so, you know, we started discussing it in the office about, oh, I wonder what this is. And we we're talking to them. Um, and I'm sure we'll have a story on it soon. But, like, I start getting their ads constantly in instagram like to this day and uh, you know every single day i get <laughs> i get their ads i've not messaged anyone on instagram about it i've not i mean maybe i searched for it but you they know, know they heard you yeah it's just they overheard me talking to robert claire in our office and they were like we got you got our, marky mark knows got our, got our <laughs> fingers my nickname for mark zuckerberg <laughs> I assumed. <laughs> also, Mark Wahlberg listens to your conversation. He's like, you want some burgers? Uh, That's where I thought you were going. No, no. Wahlburgers? No. no. Sorry. Sorry. All right. Well, we have we have run far afield of professionalism, so we might as well call it a day. Uh, we want to hear what brands you think have really uh, dominated this year and which ones you're surprised uh, maybe have, have drifted off the radar a little bit. Uh, so let us know. We're at podcast at adweek.com. That's podcast at adweek.com. Uh, Kamiko, Amory, thank you both so much for joining us. No problem. Always happy to be here.
Anytime. This week's episode was produced by Chris Ahrens with production assistance from Josh Rios and edited by Lane McGibney. Uh, Thank you to all three of them. Our theme music is by Home. If you have not already, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Those reviews mean a lot to us personally, and they help new listeners discover the show. I'm David Griner for Adweek, and we will be back next week. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality.